time we have together. I ask you to bless these offerings and to show us all the love you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. just graduated high school over at Marietta Valley, and I've been attending Centerpoint for about mm, eight years, and so I just wanted to share my testimony with y'all. So when I got to high school, I wasn't able to attend CPU because I always had practices on Wednesdays, and so my faith in my church going just became very routine where I was just going on Sundays and serving on Sundays, and I wasn't really diving in to like his word and stuff like that. I was very, as you could say, lukewarm. In junior year, I made the decision to leave my friend group as it was getting toxic. I went through a season of just very like loneliness and feeling alone and just be like, I have no friends, I have no one to talk to. And so it was just a very like numbing time for me. And um, what I didn't know is that God was planting little seeds and just working um, behind the scenes. One seek night that was outdoors towards the end of summer, I was just like, I was feeling a little insecure during worship. And that's when he was like, you don't have to be insecure. And he just like, just let me be free to be who I was. And so I just went really hard into worship. And that's when I just re fell in love with Jesus. And I was just wanting to go after him with everything I got. After one youth night, a friend came up to me and was like, hey, do you want to come to our Bible study we have tomorrow night? And I was like, yes. I was so excited because like there was friends and I could grow in my relationship with Jesus. And I was just so excited. So I've been attending that for many months now and I've grown amazing friendships with these people. Um, these friendships have like impacted me so greatly. They're definitely the Proverbs 27, 17 friends where it says, iron sharpened, for iron sharpens iron, friends sharpen friends. And it's just such an amazing journey. As I'm starting a new season in my life, I've been reflecting um, on like what has been going on over the past year. And it reminded me of like a, a butterfly, like a monarch butterfly in the chrysalis and how um, it like stays in its chrysalis until it's ready to um, go out into the world. and. I feel like during that season of loneliness, I was in my chrysalis and God was just working on the new parts of my life. And I think this new season is um, getting ready to release me out into the world. Um, I'm planning on taking a year off before I go to college. So I feel like he's gonna be working with me a lot this year. I'm excited. <laughs> Amen. There I am. Hello. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? So excited for this morning. Uh, if you haven't noticed already, this morning is a little bit different uh, because it is student takeover. We've got all of our students in the building doing everything. They've been out. They've been out greeting. They're up uh, in the stands. They're, they're up back there. They're going to do C2C. They're on the prayer team this morning. They're just, and they're, they're leading worship. I don't know if you noticed, we had two students on the side leading worship. Michael playing keys. Bailey on electric guitar. God is doing something in CP Youth. Amen. So 
And we're not done yet because we have three students actually this morning that are going to bring the word of God for us. Um, they're going to do three kind of mini sermonettes all tying uh, together a passage in 1 John uh, chapter 3, and we're super excited about it. Uh, These students, um, I've gotten to have a relationship, a friendship with each one of these students, and they are all running so, so hard after Jesus. And so I just ask for us as a CP family to welcome them, to celebrate them, to shout out amens and the come ones. It's a a little scary being up here and and having all the faces gazing at you, right? And so just just encourage them as they come up. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, The first First person that we have up, first student we have up, uh, he has been playing keys for us. He was playing keys this morning, actually. He is a passionate worshiper. Um, he is passionate about revelation from the Lord. I've seen him time and time again just geek out about scripture and word studies. And I've even used some of his stuff in my own sermons. So sorry I didn't copyright you or whatever. Yeah, I- I've just stolen everything I've gotten from you. So this is amazing. And we believe that there's no junior Holy Spirit, amen? And, uh, and they're going to come through. And up first, we have Michael Velasquez giving a word this morning. Hey, guys. <laughs> you guys mind if we start off with a little prayer? All right. <laughs> Hey, God. Hmm. We love you this morning. (laughs) We love you all the time and all the ways. Thank you for being so good to us. As we hear in fellowship today at church, I pray that um, you speak to us. Don't let my words come out of my own mouth, Jesus, but speak through me. All the other speakers, speak through them. I pray that you just hover over this place, Jesus. That not only that you hovered, but that we're made aware that you are here. So as we continue on with this service, Jesus, let us be more aware of your presence. Let us be more aware of your love, that you are here. And that you are here to love us and we are here to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) All right. So as you know, my name is Michael Velasquez and I'm um, here in week four and live that love and I'm going to bring you the passage of 1 John 3, 11 through 15. So if you guys can go ahead and open up your Bibles and turn to that passage, I am going, uh, going to tell a story. <laughs> and so it was another regular Sunday morning, I was playing keys again and I was having just an like, amazing time worshiping my heart out, worshiping my butt off, you know how it is at your center point. And so... I was um, completely giving it my all, message was great, I was feeling great, and so after service, I walked out, and immediately, it was like I had a mindset change, and instead of all, like, the love that I had inside me, I started to focus a little bit more on myself and how I did, and so it almost changed the weight of my offering, because instead of my offering being just straight to God, it started my offering almost being to myself, because I started questioning my own offering towards God, because I was like, did I do it right enough? Did I give enough to him? Did I, am I close enough to him? Am I loving him enough for him? And it completely changed my heart posture that I had towards God because not only did it change going towards God, it changed going towards me. And so in a sense, the offering had changed and the weight had changed and that I wasn't giving the offering to God anymore. I was in a sense almost giving it to God to make myself feel better. 
And I thought that was really interesting and just how quick my heart posture changed. And it's like, how many times have we walked out of church and it's just we have an immediately mindset or perspective change. And we almost leave the message and the love at the door as soon as we walk out. And we go out into our doing our regular old lives, take off our church mask, and we're just living. And we're just kind of doing our thing almost in an airplane mode. And I thought that was so interesting and how quick it is to have a mindset change like that. And so in 1 John uh, 11, 1 John 3, uh, verse 11, it says this. This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. And so I want to go back to the top in verse 11. And it says this message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We've heard this for the past couple, four weeks, and how we should live that love, how love is action, how it's not just words, and just we've heard it from, we've heard it from Pastor John, and we've heard it from Pastor Donovan, and it says one, love one another, and I was reading through this, and I was really hanging out with God, and I was thinking about this, and he told me that we need to learn how to love ourselves before we can love other people. And so what I mean by that is that we need to love ourselves for who God sees us and accept us as fully in his eyes or else we can't expect us to love each other completely and fully through God's eyes if we can't love ourselves through God's eyes. And so we need to first be with God so we can internalize that love and actually sit in it and abide in him so we can become that love. So then we're not loving out of our own love for ourselves. And so we become empty and, and we, our love from God immediately shoots out to other people. And so then we're constantly living in a loop of like we're not feeling loved ourselves because we're not fully loving ourselves. Because we're loving other people instead and giving it to them. So we first need to sit in the love of God so it can shoot out of us so we can love each other better. And so it says in verse 12, do not be like Cain. So you guys know the story of Cain and Abel, I'm pretty sure. It's a pretty, pretty popular story, one of the first ones in the Bible. And uh, it's in Genesis 4. And what the whole story is basically about is Cain and Abel gave, came to Jesus and God and gave the offering and said Cain gave some, Abel gave his first. And I think that's already interesting because heart posture already shows in the offering before anything has happened. And it says that Cain gave some of his offering, some of his crop, Abel gave his first and his best. So immediately before anything has happened, before it's even offered, the heart has already decided what it's going to give. And I think it's super interesting because I've immediately, because he gave some and Abel gave all, Jesus accepted Abel's offering, but he didn't accept Cain's. And so what Cain did, he killed his brother. And it's really, like, crazy because we, his heart posture was never in the right place, so then the offering was never in the right place. And so then he was living in the law because technically he did the offering right. He didn't mess it up. He was following the orders and the law of the Bible. He was giving his offering to God. But the heart posture is where God counted the value. So we tend to get mixed up in the rule book part of the Bible and we can't live out of love because we're trying to perfect ourselves and we keep on focusing back on ourselves so then we aren't able to love other people. And so what, because we try and be Jesus, <laughs> and we almost have a little pride in us thinking that we can be good enough 
thinking that we can achieve perfection and be just as perfect to reach Jesus and feel, make ourselves feel as worthy as him. And here's one of my points is because of Jesus. Because of Jesus and the love that he showed for us, he was the spirit of the law. He wasn't just the letter of it. He became the law and lived the law out of love because that's how he wanted it in the beginning. Because the laws were never made to make us all perfectionists, like super nitpicky people. The, the law that Jesus made for us was meant to protect us out of love, protecting us out of hatred and protecting us from hatred and protecting us from sin. And so because of Jesus being as perfect as he was, he fulfilled those laws. And so in John 13, 34, it says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. You should love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. So now because of Jesus, when we go inside of him, we don't have to come with all these perfect laws. We can just abide in him because he's already done all the laws. So he, we don't have to testify for ourselves and what we did in our own perfection. But we can God, Jesus can testify for us saying he paid for us. So because Jesus paid for our sins, we don't need to be perfect religious people. We can just people who live in the love of God. And so going on into verse 13, it says, don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Going on, it says to verse 14, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Hmm. <laughs> Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life in them. <laughs> it's a little heavy. <laughs> and so going back up to verse 13, it says, don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We've been there. We, we used to be dead. It says that we've passed on from death to life. So we know this one thing we know is that we've been dead. We were dead. We were in the world. And we know because of how we were in the world, we know now how it works. The world hated us. The world wanted us to be perf perfect. The world wanted us to be structured. The world wanted us to be a specific way and almost an inhuman part of ourselves. So we become robots in a sense of living life where we're not living genuinely and authentically because we're too busy trying to perfect our own image. Hmm. And one of the things that I just got that's not even in my notes, and it's like, I've already made you in my image. How much better can it get? <laughs> So because now we live in the love, it is proof that we've showed on from death to life. It says back in verse 14, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we've passed from death to life. So now we become the evidence of God and witnesses of God that he's still alive because of how we love each other. And so now we don't even have to do anything because God's done all the work. Jesus has done all the work. So now we just need to love each other. And then we are already who we are in Jesus. So all we really need to be is just sons and daughters. We just need to be aware that we're a part of the family. Not just inside church, but also on the outside. Because, man, the church is way bigger than a building. <laughs> hmm. And it says in verse 15 about talking about if you still have hatred in, uh, for your brother and sister, you still have murder in your heart. The heart posture, that's what John is pointing out to again, is you're a murderer at heart. 
That's where Jesus is constantly looking. Where's our heart at? What's inside of our heart? What is in our heart that's making us feel this specific way? And so the great thing about love is that love is not a feeling. So it should not be prohibited by the feelings that we have because love is greater than a feeling. Love is actually a person. And we get to know that person as our father, our friend, our God, our king. And so we no longer have to love out of ourselves because he can just love straight through us. So goes into my main point is get death out of us, get life into us so we can love the people in front of us. We were once dead, but because of Jesus, we can now live. We can live in freedom. We can live in confidence because we know where Jesus sits at. He's already conquered. There isn't a fight going on. He's already won. So death is already, in a sense, been dead. <laughs> and so now we can live with Jesus, live in love. So we get death out of us. Jesus comes in us so we can get the life into us so we can love the people in front of us. So I would challenge you with this today. <laughs> Let's love past the church. Let's love past the building. Let's love the people who even, we don't even know. Because <laughs> that's what Jesus did. He loved us while we were still sinning. He died for us while we were still sinners. He loved us at our worst. So I'm pretty sure we should love others too. And that's my message. So, so good. Can we give it up one more time for Michael? That's incredible. So good. So uh, up next, he, he is uh, going into junior year. He's an incredible student, a part of our lit team this last year, which is our leaders in training, as well as uh, going into this next year. But we went to camp. Uh, I went to camp with this student, and every single morning he's waking up and opening up his Bible to get in it. And every single night before we go to bed, he's opening up his Bible to read the word. He's, he's, a, he's a, a child of God with more wisdom definitely than I had at his age. And uh, he's going to bring that to you this morning. I want to welcome up Micah Butler to preach. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> How's everybody doing tonight? Or this morning? Good, good. Hello, everyone. My name is Micah Butler, and I am super excited to be able to have this amazing honor to be able to speak to you all this morning. Um, I only have a limited amount of time, so we're going to be jumping right into it. We are in part four of our series, Live That Love, in 1 John. So if you can open up your Bibles or even pull out your phones, we are going to be in 1 John 3, 16 through 19. And it says... We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well 
and sees a brother and sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. And so this brings me to my first point, which is that love is action. Or that love is expressed and received through demonstration. You see, if we would go back and review Jesus' life, we would find that Jesus was love more than he talked about love. You see, Jesus didn't just talk about feeding the hungry. He actually went out and fed them by the thousands. See, Jesus didn't just talk of the idea of healing. He actually went out and healed people with compassion within his heart. See, Jesus didn't just talk about how you should love your neighbor, but he actually went out and ate with people, ate with prostitutes and tax collectors in their homes. See, and most importantly, Jesus didn't just talk about the forgiveness of sin, but he actually went up on the cross and died for us so that we will be made pure. And so all throughout the Gospels, we find examples of Jesus demonstrating his love to us because he knew that people don't just feel love from someone saying the words, I love you. You see, you can tell someone you love them, but it isn't until you actually act on this love that the person actually begins to feel it and that phrase begins to hold weight and becomes credible. You see, if I merely say that I love someone, but I'm not backing it up with the way that I live or even how I treat the people around me, you know that my love must be empty and therefore worthless, for there's nothing to back it up. And yet we find in verse 16, it says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. See, we find this to be a call to action of John's disciple telling us how we can love others around us well. Because when we previously reviewed Jesus' life, we found that it was Jesus' love that sparked his action. And because of this, we know that since God is love, and it is him who dwells within our hearts, as it says in 1 John 4, 8, we are also empowered to love others in that exact same way. See, Jesus felt compassion, appreciation, and love within his heart, but he didn't withhold this love. He gave it as a free gift to anyone and everyone he ever met. And you see, and now he wants us to demonstrate his love to those around us. See, God the Father sacrificed his son by Jesus laying down his life, which is what we are also called to do for our brothers and sisters. See, we are called to put aside our selfish ambitions and be willing to go that extra mile and sacrifice for each other. See, it is his love that sparks us to love others. It's a partnership. And we can't love others well if we aren't walking with and abiding in him 
who is the perfect picture of love. You see, it wouldn't make sense for me to get into my car if it has no gas and actually expect to be able to get anywhere. And if God is the fuel for our love, why do we expect to actually be able to love well if we aren't fueling ourselves from him who is love? You see, and we do this by actually spending time in his word, coming to church and being in fellowship with others around us, actually spending time in prayer and being able to actually nourish ourselves from his word, right? And when we do this, it in return empowers us so that we may be able to step into this cruel world and actually be able to spread God's love to the others around us. Which brings me to my next point, which is that love is sacrificial. But how do we do this? By the giving of our time, our money, our comfort, even our vulnerability sometimes to be actually go out and impact someone. See, truth be told, loving people is not easy. It's actually very difficult to be able to love others and love them well. And oftentimes we find ourselves reluctant to love because of past experiences that have hurt us. And now we base our whole definition of love from the actions of an imperfect human when in reality, love is far greater than what we may feel. You see, I'll even go as far to say that love is not a feeling in terms of our sense, but love is what we would do despite our feelings. And you see, too often we allow pain to become a barrier in our lives from actually being able to step into this fullness of sacrificial, compassionate, and intentional love that God has for us all because of the words that one person said. All because of what he or she may have done to us, we may even think that no one is worthy of love. So we close ourselves off. We put ourselves in a little box and we say, oh no, I'm not gonna love anymore because the last time I did this, my heart got scarred. And now I'm hurting because of this idea of love. When in reality, once we start doing this, the minute we do this, God's love in our heart can't be expressed. And you see, because God's love that he has for us and entrusts us to pour out into others cannot be contained. See, it was never made to be stagnant. It was never made to be easy. And it was never made to not act, not sacrifice. You see, if this were true, Jesus would have never gone on the cross. There would have been another way, an easier way. But we find ourselves in the present day, looking at what is to be the perfect and complete image of love, to be a bloody Jesus on a cross. It says in Romans 13, 8, to let love be your only debt. And now I'd like to challenge you, church, this week to live just like that, to love without restraint, not because we find anybody worthy of it, because truthfully no one is, and not because we think it's just the right thing to do, but because Jesus has died for us. It says in, John 4, in 1 John 4 that we love because he first loved us. 
So church, don't hesitate to go out and love others. Don't hesitate to take action. See, don't hesitate to send that text to someone, that loving text. Don't hesitate to express your love to that person that may have a different political opinion than you. Don't hesitate to pray for someone, to make someone a meal and give it to them when they're going through a hard time. Find that time to love. To love with action and to love intently. Thank you. Can we give it up one more time for Micah? I'm quitting my job. I don't need to do, I don't need to do this anymore. That was incredible. Love is action. Love is sacrificial. And uh, last but not least, uh, the next student speaking, I have known her all of my life uh, because she's my sister. Um, this is nepotism at its finest. So she gets, I'm just kidding. No, she is smarter than me. She is probably, uh, a lot of her friends say funnier than me, unfortunately. And, um, and she's probably a better preacher than me as well. So if we can give it up for Olivia Russ. Okay, hey guys. <laughs> Sorry about that. My golly. Okay, cool. Um, so I am picking up right where Micah left off. We are still in 1 John chapter 3, but I'm going to be talking about verse 20 through 24. And um, I kind of wanted to start out just by saying, like, when I was coming up with this message, or, well, when the Lord was coming up with this message, um, I was sitting with them, and I was like, okay, like, all this is vibey, but God, I need something, like, funny to start out with. Like, I need some funny anecdote to get, uh, to, like, break the ice or whatever. And I was like, I was trying to come up with all these different options. I was, I was like, oh, I'll make this joke, or no, I'll tell this story, or whatever. Whatever. And I was not vibing with any of them. I'm going to be honest. All of them were just not, they were just, it just didn't like feel right. And then I felt God just be like, just be vulnerable with them. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, was, I was like, for sure, for sure. So uh, if I could be vulnerable with you guys today, if that's cool. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to start out in verse 20. And it says, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Take it in. My gosh. So uh, when I first read that verse, like, I immediately started uh, thinking about how growing up, like, one of my, or and still, but, like, one of my favorite things is to love people. It's so much fun to just, like, see someone, like, get a smile on their face because of something that you do or uh, to just make someone's day or just, just to be, like, intentional with them. Um, but, like, even though I always love to love people, I always had uh, this feeling that it was, it was like, it was like I always felt condemnation about it. I always felt like I wasn't loving enough. Like I was never going to be able to love someone enough to actually be like worthy of them to love me back. Or that I was never going to be able to do enough for them so that they could actually like be in a better place or that I could never, I could just never do enough. Um, and I was constantly bombarded by that. And I just like going through all of that thought, like all those thoughts like in this like battle in my own head, uh, I started, like, I started thinking, like, oh, my gosh, like, how am I ever going to love anyone enough? How am I ever going to be worthy enough? Like, I, I, I'm just not worthy 
to love anyone then. Because I, I, can't, I can't love hard enough. And what I realized is that one of the enemy's favorite things to do is to, uh, is to steal our fellowship with God. Um, and he loves to just like weasel his way into our minds and uh, make us think that we could never live up to what God like wants of us, which is just not true at all because God doesn't expect us to live up to anything. Um, and so even though I was loving people well, I was constantly bombarded by all of these lies from the enemy being like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to love enough. I'm like, uh, how could God love me if I'm constantly missing the mark? Um, and then I even started to become angry at God of like, of, of like, God, uh, I try and I try and I try, but I never, get, I never feel the same love in return. Why am I not good enough? Why am I not worthy enough? Why did you not make me worthy? And when I was in this battle, and when I was, when I was like going back and forth with the Lord on this, I heard something very, very plain and simple. And it was, how could you not be worthy if I made you in my image? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pick it up. <laughs> yeah, we can clap for that. We can clap for that. And I was like, oh, shoot. Oh, okay. And um, I realized that I was so concerned with how I felt God saw me that I was allowing those feelings to dictate my standing with him instead of allowing him to dictate where I stood with him. Instead of asking him, God, how do you see me? Am I lovable? Am I worthy enough? What am I doing? Like, just tell me how you see me. I was allowing how I felt about my relationship with God to dictate who he was. And so what I realized in that moment was that our relationship with God is not dependent on how we feel about our relationship with God. And, <laughs> okay, um, and uh, what I mean by that is, like, I can give a couple examples. Like, just because you don't feel Holy Spirit in the room doesn't mean Holy Spirit's not in the room, okay? Just because you don't feel, uh, just because you don't feel worthy or you don't feel loved do by God doesn't mean that he doesn't love you so much and doesn't see you as so perfect and just made in his image and doesn't, and he, and it doesn't mean that he doesn't still look at you and just call you child. He loves us so much. And he is so much greater, just like verse 20 says, he is so much greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. And so I realized that I had turned God into this God obsessed with perfection instead of seeing him for who he truly was. So I was like, okay, I've come to this realization. Now it's time to go on the journey of finding out, well, then who is God truly, right? Of figuring out, okay, then what is his heart towards me? And what I realized is that God is a, uh, he's, he's just a God who's longing for us. He just wants relationship with us. Um, he's a God that's so much greater than, so much greater than we could ever imagine. And so, and, and even though, even though uh, we always hear God is so much greater than we could ever imagine, we still allow him to be smaller than our problems. We still allow him to be smaller than our feelings. When in reality, he is so much bigger than them. So much bigger than them. And, uh, He's a God that wants to strip away guilt, wants to strip away condemnation. He doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want you to, he doesn't want you to be constantly questioning your self-worth. He wants you to be at peace with the fact that he sees you as perfectly made. Verse 21 and 22 says, dear friends, even if we don't feel guilty, Oh, sorry. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. 
my favorite part about this verse um, is that it says, we can come to God with bold confidence. I did a little research. <laughs> I did a little research, and I found out that uh, the Greek word rendered confidence meant the most valued right of a citizen of the free state, the right to speak his mind unhampered by fear or shame. Shoo! Are you kidding? That's insane. Okay. And so I was like, and then like figuring that out, it was like, oh my gosh, not only is the Lord so much greater than our fear or shame, not only does he want to strip away all of our condemnation, but he also wants us to step into confidence. He wants to step into a spot where it's just like, God, I can say whatever I want to you because I have no fear. Because because you because there, there's nothing that I could say that's going to make you stop loving me. There's nothing that I have to hide from you. There's nothing that I can't say because, because I'm, I'm going to be like, oh, no, God's going to be angry at me over that. No, because he wants you to speak your mind. He wants to hear what's on your heart because, again, he knows everything. So he already knows that you're thinking it. He already knows that you're thinking it. I don't know why we get into this spot of like, oh, I can just keep it a secret. <laughs> like what? He already knows you're thinking it. But there, there's a difference between um, there's a difference between someone knowing someone knowing like what you have in your heart versus you telling them. It's like it's like when your parents like know that you're lying about something, and they're like they're they're, they're like oh like like what'd you do last night? They already know. They already know. But they're trying to see if you're gonna be honest with them, and they're trying to see if you have a if they if you have that relationship with them where you're going to be like, you know what, I messed up. Or you know what, like I was doing this. Or you know what, like I'm feeling this. Right. He wants to have that open communication with us because he wants us to step into confidence with him. Right. Yeah. He's a father who wants his children to be unafraid to come to him with anything. He's just a baller, dude. So <laughs> Shoot, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so the next question becomes then, like, how do we make that shift, right? How do we make that shift between guilt and condemnation into being like, I feel confident. Hey, God, you know what I mean? Like, how do we make that shift? And um, there's only one conclusion that I could come up with, and it's fellowship. It's fellowship with the Father. Um, verse 23 and 24 says, and this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Now, there's a lot to unpack in there. And um, I, I know that I've even had some conversations with, with people where there's a lot of confusion, especially in verse 24, where it says, those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. Um, now, I think that a lot of the time uh, when, when we, can mis we can misconstrue the Father's heart and we can take that verse to mean, okay, okay, so uh, I have to follow every rule to a T. I have to do exactly what he says all the time uh, so that I can be good enough for him which is just not the truth at all. And we allow that lie to kind of get into our minds and we allow perfection to kind of take over. We allow, uh, we allow religion to kind of take over. And, um, we're, and th that's just not true. So I was trying to unpack this with the Lord. Um, and I was, uh, and what, I, what, what he was telling me was that like, yes, we obey his commandments to have fellowship, but we need to have fellowship in order to obey his commandments. So 
like obeying his commandments without being in fellowship, that's where religion starts to come in, right? That's where there's that shift between relationship and religion. And it's like we become these robots. We become these. Uh, we become obsessed with perf- with perfection. That's when uh, that's when we're not being filled up. We, we're giving. And this is the state that I was in: giving and giving and giving, but feeling like we're never uh, feeling like we're never receiving. But it's actually just because we're not being filled up by the Father. We're relying on um, on like these pseudo loves around us to fill us up as we're giving, uh, but they're just not as good as the love of the Father. So we're always left empty. And then we question the Father's love, and we're, we're like, why don't you love me? And he's like, I do. You're just not allowing me to, you're not allowing that love to enter in because we're not in fellowship right now. You're following my commandments, but you don't know me. Wow. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is one of my main points, okay? Good works or obeying the commandments in the Bible does not guarantee relationship with God. But true fellowship with Jesus does guarantee a desire to follow his commandments. Okay? Take it in. Okay. Even, uh, even Romans uh, 6.14 says, Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. What? That's insanity. Can you imagine? We can because we're living it. Okay. Um, no, but so it's like we, uh, like we are made worthy by his grace alone. It's not based on our achievements. It's not based on what we're doing. It's, uh, we, we pursue the Father's heart and we learn more about him. And then that craving to carry out his desires, that's what showcases that we're in fellowship with him. Because it's no longer like, oh, I need to do this, this, and this in order for the Father to love me. It's I love the Father so much, so I want to do this, this, and this. Because God loved me enough to die for me, and I love him so much. And I have so much respect for him, and, I, uh, and, I, and he's just so, he's so worthy of, uh, of my love. And so I want to showcase my love to him by doing the things that will make him happy. That's what true love is, right? Whew. Shoot. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so, uh, when it, so basically when it's saying, like, those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him, it's basically saying even though we won't be able, because we're imperfect people, even though we won't be able to carry out every one of his commandments to a T, the, uh, the action of acting on what the Lord has spoken to us, like that and, and that desire, that's enough. Because we're trying and the Lord sees that because he knows the intentions of our hearts, Right. So he knows, he knows uh, our intentions are good. And so acting on that, even though we're going to mess up, but like acting on what he's spoken to us. And then when we do mess up, being like, hey, God, give me strength to do better the next time. And that's what allows us to continue growing with him. Acting on what he's spoken does not determine our worth. It does not determine how much he loves us. But it's what allows us to grow in more fellowship with him. But, I mean, fellowship can be difficult sometimes. There can be things that get in the way, and it's different for everyone. I, ha- I mean, I, I have a couple examples of things that I think are, like, most prominent in my life that, dist- that like, get in the way of my fellowship. But, I mean, as I'm going through these, maybe uh, if, you, if you guys can maybe think to yourselves, too, like, what's getting in the way of my fellowship? So uh, the first one I have is uh, distraction. Um, becoming consumed in our own everyday lives. Uh, it's so easy to do. We're, we're like, oh, I'm just so busy. I'm, I, I got so many things to do. I'm on a time crunch. I'm like, I, I don't have time. I don't have time right now for you, Lord. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you later. And, um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being busy. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, uh, with having a lot going on. Um, we do, like, right? Like, 
you know, we, had, we got busy lives. But the Lord wants to be with us in the busyness. It's not a matter of, oh my gosh, I need to have a full hour free to just be sitting down and like, uh, and like only be focused on, the, on God. It's like, that's great. And the Lord would love to have that uh, quiet time with you as well. And that's also important. But even just like in your busiest days when you, don't have that, when you don't have that quiet time of just checking in with the Lord. Being like, hey God, love you lots. Like, help me get through this. Give me strength today. I'll check in with you in a couple minutes, you know what I mean? Uh, or like if, if you're bored, like just on a car ride to work or whatever, just, be, just being like, hey, God, even popping on a little worship music, worship music. Um, <laughs> I'm losing my voice. Um, yeah, he wants to be with us in the busyness. Um, number two, this kind of goes into, this kind of uh, plays hand in hand with distraction, but is idols. Um, it can be so easy to let even like, uh, like little things that we don't even think about. It doesn't have to just be some other God. You know what I mean? Uh, we turn like little things into our lives. We devote all of our time to them and they become almost more important to us than our relationship with God. It can even happen with, uh, friendships, other relationships in your life. If you're putting, if you're putting another person above your relationship with God, something's wrong there. You need to look at that because it's like, it's like, do I care more about what this person wants me to do than what the Lord is calling me into? Am I gonna change the? Am I gonna change what I know the Lord is calling me into because I want to follow this person, this uh, this place, or I want to keep this relationship? I'm gonna be honest. If that relationship doesn't line up with what the Lord is telling you, it's probably not supposed to be in your life. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shoot. You know what I mean. Now, number three. This one I think is the most insane one, and it's the one that I struggle with the most for sure. And it's uh, not moving past the uncomfortability. Okay? Um, there, was a, there was a time when I was in a really, really low spot. And I remember I was like, I was in my room, and I was sitting there, and I was like crying out to the Lord. And I, I felt, I was feeling so many things. And I was like, God, take it away, take it away, take it away. I can't feel this anymore. I can't go through this another second. I need you to strip these emotions away. I don't want to do the work to get through this. Just take it away. And um, in the gentlest way possible, God looked at me and said, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like sitting there sobbing. I'm like, okay, cool. No, um, but <laughs> it was dumb. Um, but I was like, I was, I was like, what do you mean? No, homie, that doesn't make sense. Um, but what I realized and what the Lord was teaching me in that moment, um, and what I felt him, what I, what I felt him saying to me then was, um, Olivia, if I take these emotions away from you right now, if I take all these feelings away from you and you don't deal with them and you don't deal with them with me, then when they come back, you're not going to know what to do and you're going to be in the exact same spot. If, I, if, if we go through this together right now and you know that you can rely on me in these times, then when these emotions come back, you're going to know that you got it. And it's going to be so much less hurtful because you're like, I've been through worse. I know I can get through this. Or I already survived it. I know I can get through this. God, God is faithful. God is loving. God has me in his hands. And we become so afraid of these painful feelings that we run away from them when in reality, sitting with the Lord and sitting, with, and sitting in that uncomfortability and being like, God, I hate this so much, but I love you so much more. And I know that you have me. That's what allows us to grow in fellowship with him. Whoa. That's what allows us to grow in fellowship with him more than anything else. 
Because we're actually sitting in that uncomfortability with him and we're actually allowing him. And because when we're in those uncomfortable moments, that's when all those lies start. That's when all those thoughts start to come in. And so in, uh, when we come to him, just like in verse 20 said, if we, when we come to him in those guilty moments, when we're actually sitting with him in there and it's like, it's like, oh, I hate this so much. But slowly but surely, the Lord starts to rewire our brains and in sitting with him in those moments, we start to finally see how he sees us. Because um, when we're asking for strength and when we're asking, God, help me, help me get through this. Like, I know that these lies, um, I, I know that these are lies. I know that these aren't from you because they're not patient. They're not kind. They're not gentle. They're not loving. These lies are telling me that I'm unworthy and I know that you do not see me as unworthy. I'm not going to allow my feelings to dictate how you see me. I'm going to ask you, God, how do you see me? How do you see me? And that is what allows us to grow in fellowship with him so much more. And not only fellowship, but that's what allows us to make that shift into confidence. We come to him in the guilty moments. We feel that guilt with him. And then he tells us, you're okay. And then it's like, I'm okay. And I can be, and, uh, and also like when you have those vulnerable moments with people, it'd be like when uh, w like you do it the first time and it's like, oh my gosh, like God actually loves me when I'm vulnerable. Oh my gosh, God doesn't want me to be happy all the time. Oh my gosh, God like actually wants to hear about my problems and he wants to hurt with me. He hurts so much on the cross. He knows pain. He's not new to this. He wants to hurt with you. And he wants, he wants to call you worthy. He wants to hurt with you and then he wants to, he wants to take those thoughts. Take, I swear, I'm losing my voice. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm like voice cracking all over the place. Um, but he wants to take those thoughts and he wants to throw them away so that he can actually teach you who you are. Instead of this, instead of this persona of who, you've, uh, who you like, think that you are. Because our minds go to some crazy places and we think that we are awful sometimes. And God's like, no, you're not. You're just having a bad day. And you feel awful today. It doesn't mean that you're awful. But so that is like, that, that's kind of just the bottom line of seeking the Lord through prayer, through worship, and, uh, and his word, and even, even through uh, surrounding ourselves with, we saw it in Annalise's testimony of, of friends who are going to sharpen us, right? Friends who are in the same faith, surrounding ourselves with that, and then checking, is anything getting in the way of my fellowship? What am I devoting my time to? Am I devoting my time to Jesus? Am I checking in with him? All of that, that's what allows us to be filled up by him and gives us the desire to actually carry out his commandments. And that becomes so much easier because it's no longer about I need to do this all perfectly. It's just I just need to do what God, what, what God asked me to. And I know that if I mess up, he's still going to be there. Yeah, so <laughs> cool. I mean, that, that's like my main message, yeah. Um. <laughs> God is good. What else can I say, homies? My golly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to invite Michael back up uh, so that we can uh, do a little salvation moment. Um, and I just want to, if there's anyone in the building tonight, it, tonight, yeah, Tim, this morning, um, if, there's any, if there's anyone in the room today who uh, you want to step into that fellowship with God, and, uh, and you're hearing about it, and you're, you're, you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is the God that I want to know. You know what I mean? Like, this is the heart of Jesus, um, and, and, I, and I feel something tugging on my heartstrings, and I want to step into that. And I want to have fellowship with him, and I want to I feel that love, and I want to be filled up so that I don't feel so empty anymore. So that I don't feel that hole in my chest anymore. 
so that I can be overflowing with joy, so overflowing that it's gonna pour out of me and onto other people so that I can love the other people in my life better as well, so that I can have better relationships, so that I can have, uh, so that I can have more happiness all around, so that I know that when I'm in those dark spots that I'm going to be okay. And that I don't have to question my worth anymore. If, that, if you feel that on your heart right now and you want to step into that fellowship with the Lord, I invite you to raise your hand right now and be bold and step into confidence. Because the Lord wants that relationship with you. He wants that fellowship with you. He loves you so much. I'll give it a minute. But if you guys want that, if you guys want to step into that, into the fellowship that, uh, I invite you to raise your hand so that we can pray for you. We can pray with you, actually. I see you in the back. You're a baller, dude. Look at her. Yeah. <laughs> You're so cool. I'm so excited for you. You're awesome. God loves you so much. Wow. Anyone else? Yo, she took the first step. <laughs> Come on. Okay, cool. Okay, awesome. I would love to, We. I, I mean, I didn't see any other hands, but uh, if so, if we could all just pray with her. She's insane. I love you so much. I don't even know you. Um, but also, if there's anyone else in the room who you're just like, I, I don't, I feel weird raising my hand, but I do want that. This prayer is also for you. Don't fret about it, okay? Um, and I also... Uh, and this also goes out to uh, the people who are still feeling that condemnation right now, who are still feeling like, I don't know if that sounds really great, but I just feel condemned all the time and I don't know how to get out of that. And I don't know if I'm ready to step into that uncomfortability. Ask God. He'll give you the strength to step into that uncomfortability. Okay, cool. Let's pray. Shoot. Hey, God. I first off want to say that I am so thankful for your daughter there in the back. And I'm so excited for her. Thank you so much that you are just going to, you're just going to reveal so much of your love to her, Lord, that you are just going to make her feel uh, so incredibly worthy in your name, God. And for anyone else in this room who wants to step into that uh, relationship with you tonight as well, this morning, um, I just pray that they feel, uh, that they just feel your armor come around them, God, that they know that no matter what they do, no matter what comes at them, that you are so much stronger and so much greater and so much bigger than it because you created it. Not the bad stuff. <laughs> but I just thank you so much that you are just so loving, that you are so merciful, that we can bask in your presence, that we can abide in you, Father. And that there's nothing we could possibly ever do to make you stop loving us. That you don't, uh, you don't throw things at us that we can't handle. That you have made us so much stronger than we could even realize. And that you want to reveal that strength to us. And that, uh, and that you want to that you go through all of it with us as well. That we're not in it alone. That you, uh, hmm. you want to hurt with us. That you want to laugh with us that you want to frolic with us, <laughs> I don't know, that you just want to sit with us. We invite you in, God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much that you always show up. Thank you so much that you're constant. Thank you so much that you're true. Thank you so much that there's nothing that you can't handle. <laughs>